0: You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. News 11:30 Air Patrol.
1: Good morning. Starting the commute without any stalls or accidents, and there's minimal volume on all the major routes. In Langley, overpass construction has Glover Road closed between Telegraph Trail and University Drive. You're also going to find road work in New Westminster, Columbia down to single lane traffic both ways between McBride and the SkyTrain Overpass, and Royal Avenue down to single lane traffic both ways between McBride and First Street. Now at Speedy Glass, get a free pair of wiper blades worth $60 with your new windshield. Book your appointment today. Details and conditions at speedyglass.ca. In the city news, 11 30 Air Patrol, I'm Don Powers.
2: Whoa, wait a minute, huh? Hold up, what? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the Canucks?
0: You're listening to Halford and Broth.
2: draw a huge shot left one bounces to the goal they score Brock Messer again
0: yeah it's nice four goals a couple of screens yeah he was a big part of the the game tonight I'm throwing the backup goalie in with 10 minutes left I have
1: not seen that Um, it's not like the Smith is uh, uh, e e-bug or anything like that you might say the extra ingredient is salt Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Alfred. It is Bruff. It is SportsNet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Basketball Ben, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Alfred and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer. Today, we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by Everything Finance. Dot com. I don't have the read in front of me. Everythingfinancial.com. Jason, tell them about Kintech.
0: We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google
1: reviews. Find your perfect fit at dot What a night. What a night. I'm still really coming to grips with it all. It was late. We didn't really finish the notes until close to 11 o'clock at night. We were both texting back and forth with one another. How about those Houston Astros? No, I mean it was unbelievable <laughs> what happened last night. I can't, I can't I, really put it into words. I, I I'm was flabbergasted. Just, I jokingly said to Bruff, "This is going to be the first three-hour show with no analysis whatsoever because we can't make sense of what just happened." Just golf clap the whole show. I guess. Well yeah. I don't even know. They were so good last night that they broke Connor McDavid in game one of an 82-game regular season. Yeah, Drancer will join us at 8 o'clock to talk about
0: the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, We will chat a little baseball with Adnan. We'll be like, you got five minutes because we're going back to the Canucks, Adnan. But we will talk about baseball. Uh, Three teams are in the Final Four. Uh, The Phillies' Brave series is pretty interesting as well. Sean Gentilly, very funny guy. We'll talk about the NHL at large. We might just talk about the Canucks with Sean Gentilly at 6.30. So Drancer at 8, Adnan at 7, Gentilly at 6.30.
1: Uh, That is what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed it. You missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. I had this big preamble at the start of the show about how amazing last night was, but we never exactly said what happened last night. In their season opener, with hashtag the start hanging in the balance, Brock Besser scored four goals, four goals, four goals. For the first time in his NHL career, the Canucks win eight to one. Eight to one. Vancouver wins eight to one over the Edmonton Oilers at Rogers Arena on Wednesday night.
0: Yeah, Jim Rutherford said everything would have to go right for the Canucks to make the playoffs, and in Wednesday's home opener against the Oilers, everything went right. Uh, they haven't made the playoffs. It's just one game, and if you listen to Rick talk it afterwards, he he was very careful, like he didn't want, he didn't even want to sound. All that excited because he knew the fan base was going to be excited. He knew the media was going to be uh, throwing roses at the Canucks. Um, Brock Besser, as you mentioned, was the star with four goals. And how awesome was that to see? But think of the long, long list of all the other things that went well. Miller and Petey.
1: What did that? What did Miller have five points? I couldn't even keep up by the end of it. Petey they point. combined for nine points on the evening. Five for JT Miller, four for Elias Patterson. Quinn Hughes was
0: dynamic as always, but perhaps his best moment was the post game speech that, or a post game interview that I that I heard him with uh, Sat and and Bick, and he was just talking about. He just sounded like such a captain, and he sounded really proud of his teammates, proud of Brock Besser. He was giving him credit. He was saying, I know he's made some changes to his cha- training. He just sounded really proud of the team effort. Uh, Connor Garland, who came into yesterday's game, and we're all sitting there going, he's going to ruin the morale. Well, he didn't. And actually, he scored a goal. He scored the opening goal. Uh, help to, the morale. Like Dakota Joshua dropped the gloves. Thatcher Demko, we didn't even really like, you know, like, He got some attention, but mostly because he was, like, sick. He barfed barfed in his mask. What a performance. What a performance against uh, one of the most dangerous teams in the NHL. He came up with a number of big saves. And the special teams, uh, like uh, the PK, we'll talk about this later, the PK had two very, very important penalty kills early in the game. Um, By the time that the Oilers did score on the power play, the game was pretty much over, and the power play, provided a couple big goals. Mm. Um, And really like we, what I don't want to do in some ways is talk about all the individual performances, like go credit to this guy and this guy, because when, when you boil it all down, it wasn't, huh, hallelujah. It wasn't about the individuals last night. The Canucks won battles all over the ice. They played a team game. They did the hard things like taking the body and going to the net they looked to me for one game at least and hopefully the rest of the season like a team that was, not just saying it, but was actually sick of losing.
1: Yeah, I, you know what? I'm going to bin whatever Rick Tockett said about it's only one game and we need to keep things in check. And I'm going to forget what Sat and Bick were saying on the post-game show about how you have to temper expectations and enthusiasm because it's just one game and it's only two points. Forget that, man. That's for the team to worry about. If you're a fan of this team, there are people – and a lot of them, I will add right now, that have woken up way too early in the morning to text into a radio show about how stoked they were about last night. Like, that is awesome. That, is, that last night was a really good thing, and we shouldn't be taking away from no. it one iota. Consider this. The last home opener that the Canucks had, and it was roughly a year ago, they lost 5-1 to Buffalo. They got booed off the ice, and people threw jerseys on the ice. That was the last home opener. Fast forward a year, they're beating a Stanley Cup contender to the tune of 8 1. There's hats going on the ice for Brock. It's, feel, it's, it's a great feeling. Like, that is. Yeah, enjoy it. Like, enjoy, enjoy it. it. Just don't, because, don't say, oh, oh, we got a tough one on Saturday and McDavid's yeah. angry. We'll, well get we to can, McDavid later. We can do that he's a tomorrow, loser last too.
0: Night. Yeah. And, and I think, like, it's funny how we left the show yesterday and we had our interview with Stan Smeal and he was talking about the team needing to find an identity and the team needing to like, not just sit back and watch the other team, just go out there and engage the other team, and that's what the Canucks did. I will be the first to admit that I didn't see an 8-1 victory coming. I didn't see a complete domination of a team that hilariously in hindsight – spent the entire preseason talking about how it's Stanley Cup or bust. I even thought when the Canucks took the lead, especially at 2-0, that the Oilers were bound to roar back and make this game close. And that's why the key part of this game for me, everyone's going to have their own key part. For me, it was the start of the second. Think about the situation. The Canucks were up 2-0, and they played well. Remember, they went up 3 0 last season against the Oilers, and it didn't end so well. The Oilers also had a power play. JT Miller took a penalty very late in the first period. There was like a couple seconds left in the first. So basically, the Oilers started the second period with a two minute power play. Last season, I'd have bet the house on the Oilers scoring, and then the momentum of the game being completely changed. Last night, though, the Canucks killed the penalty. And then a couple of minutes later, Besser scored to make it 3-0. And the Canucks controlled from that point on. The Oilers never had a sniff after that. And if you go up and down the lineup, it's hard to think of a guy who did not bring something to the table. Let's talk about the new guys. Ian Cole. My God, we've been waiting. Like The Canucks have needed a guy with a good stick in front of the net on the PK for years. His... He just knows how to kill penalties. He knows what he's doing out there. He's not guessing. Sam Lafferty
1: driving the net and drawing a penalty. Look at number 18 go. Yeah. One of the tough spots. Yeah, had to do a double take there. Suter
0: looks like a legit 3C, or at least he did last night. He's a smart little player. And Philip Peronic, the big addition last season, the guy they traded essentially Bo Horvath for, He looked like a legit top-four D-man. So I don't know if him and Hughes are going to stay together the whole season. Probably not. Ian Cole and Tyler Myers were good together for the most part. Although that was a very veteran move by Tyler Myers to take that over the glass penalty early to give the penalty kill a chance to shut down the Oilers. Got to get him some work, you know? Like he meant to do that. But actually like when that happened, when my for the first 5 minutes of the game, I wasn't feeling particularly good about things. That was the only time of the game I was like, "Oh, I don't know. The Oilers look fast and then Myers took that took that penalty which was, you know, a mistake, but not a great penalty when you flip it over the over the glass. But then they killed the penalty. Mm-hmm. It, 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 again, we've talked so much about the PK in the preseason and in the offseason because the Canucks knew they had to address it. That's what a capable PK gives you, right? It, gives, it doesn't allow the other team to go off and running. Mm-hmm. You don't freak out every time you take a penalty. Yep. And the Canucks didn't even have one of their guys who, like one of their best penalty killers, in the lineup last night because Teddy Bluger didn't play.
1: Yeah, like I think that um, as that game went on, the really fascinating thing was watching Edmonton collectively lose its head in the third period, and the Canucks be the team that is like, "All right, you want to run around and be stupid? Fine. We'll take the, pal- the we'll take the penalty. We'll take the power play, and we'll convert on the power play." To me, they looked and felt as though the Canucks were in control, and maybe outside of the first five minutes, but it, in every situation where the game could have gone one direction or another. Whatever direction the game went in, it was Vancouver controlling it. And that's a super rare thing mm-hmm. for this group. Because especially last year, you got the feeling that once things went off the rails, they had no handle on the steering wheel. Like, you were just like, well, wherever we go now. And you felt like they didn't know what to do. Yeah. It was like, what direction do I go? Left? Right? Up? Down? They didn't know. And it was great to see. Can I read some text into the Dunbar-Lumber text line? Um,
0: because yes, Jason, there's a lot of excited fans and they're like us, right? They're looking at that game last night and going, yes, that's what we've been talking about. And here's an unsigned text. Let this small sample size game be a friendly reminder of how good winning feels in a Canadian market. Mm -hmm. So I hope the guys after that game sat there with their teammates, had a good time, and were like, man, I feel good. Like even anyone who's played sports at all, Knows that feeling of like sitting down afterwards with your buddies and being like, we really left it out on the ice today. Mm-hmm. And we came together as a team. You know, I can't even imagine what it feels like at the NHL level, the highest level when you've just beaten, you've just destroyed Connor McDavid's team in that fashion in your home opener. And, you know, like there will be a lot of people out there be like, don't get too comfortable. Like, no. I hope last night they went out and had, the, had a good time. They don't play again until Saturday right. and enjoyed it. And then you chase that feeling the rest of the season. That was another thing about last season. Like, I don't think they ever found a feeling, right? Like they, the last time this team was like excited about the way they played was Bruce, there it is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, that's, that's th- true. and there was a vibe there, right? But it was too late. And then it quickly went away the next season. It wasn't a sustainable thing. But with this one, I hope they look at they look at the game. They remember the game. They're like, man, there was a couple of times where I just like I battled so hard and I and I want a puck battle, and that that felt good. There was a couple of times where you know like Petey's hit on Cody Cece. Are you yeah, kidding me? That was great. That's one of the best hits I've seen in like the last decade from a Canuck. Yep, he cleaned him out. Might have left his feet a little bit, but like that was an ah. unbelievable hit. So I hope all those guys were like. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. Like we had to work. We had to sacrifice for each other. We had to play our system. But boy did it feel good afterwards. That's hockey. It's not supposed to be easy. That's hockey, baby. That that the Canucks played a real hockey game last season. Remember we were talking earlier about like disdain for teams? Mm-hmm. Right? Like the Canucks the last few years They haven't played that type of hockey, and that's why there's been a disdain for them. Like last night I felt as a fan, I was like, I'm I have no reason to like turn this game off. Like, this is great. This is it felt like they were playing for each other, and it and it felt like, again, I said it earlier, like they were truly sick of losing because they were willing
1: to do the things that you need to do in order to win. Speaking of disdain, and this is gonna be interesting today to see how these comments play out because They happened late last night. The comments I'm talking about is... Connor McDavid was asked by Kevin Woodley, no less... of NHL.com and InGoal Magazine... about the third period. Specifically, Connor McDavid was asked... about the Canucks putting out their first unit power play... when they were up 6-1 in the game. Now, to be honest... I kind of made note of it when it was going on because Besser was racking up the goals. Mm -hmm. And actually, it was when they got to 7-1 and Besser had a chance to score his fifth, thereby bankrupting, what is it, save on foods in the process. Um, I'm thinking, okay, I wonder if they'll trot him out again. I didn't think of it at 6-1. Anyway, these remarks probably happen. I mean, God, it's only about seven hours ago. So they happened late. I don't know what kind of reaction they're going to get when everyone parses through them. Because I'm going to be honest, a lot of people haven't seen them yet. Like Nobody back East has seen these comments yet. No one's really made a big deal about the Connor McDavid gets angry for the first time in his life and says something (laughs) candid. So look, listen to the clip. Take it for what it's worth because not only does it encapsulate how badly McDavid and the Oilers got beaten last night, it's also putting a ton of emphasis on Saturday's rematch. Uh, This is the audio. Woodley asking the question. McDavid doing the answer and following last night's 8-1 loss to the Vancouver Canucks. Any thoughts on them rolling out PP one in a six-one game in the third period? They made a few decisions in the third period that I thought were interesting. Um so on the backup goalie in with ten minutes left. I have not seen that. Um, it's not like the Smith is uh, uh, e bug or anything like that. So uh,
0: I thought that was interesting. And yeah, I mean, anytime you roll out the first power play unit, um,
1: not ideal, but um, not our. Uh, Never situation you want to be in, and, you know, obviously, uh, we don't like that. The secret ingredient indeed was salt for Connor McGee. You might Evening. say the
0: extra ingredient is salt. Well, so, obviously, uh, he doesn't know about the Kinect's flu situation, right? He didn't, he didn't understand okay, why. Factor, but, so, but that's but, 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 one hold hold but that's on, one hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Immediate in hold his hold mouth on, on that one.
1: This is the same guy, and I know he tried to, like, clarify it by saying, like, DeSmith wasn't an e-bug. This is the same guy. No, but he didn't know about the Canucks situation. I know, but he was the one that went and did that last year. Like, of all the people, he was the one that told Woodcroft to play their e-bug when they were up 7-2. to Yeah, but seven that's, to two but that's why he said it. But I'm, what I'm saying is, like, don't even bother going there. Like, if you're going to talk about whatever sort of level of perceived disrespect there is, because mm. I remember when they did it last year in Chicago, the first thing I said was, that's disrespectful. Right. Right? Well, I think like, that's why he said this it. Isn't yeah. a, this isn't the Make-A-Wish program. This is the NHL. Like, you don't do that. The fact right? that he had to qualify his statement with the, oh, he's not always e bug should tell you. Maybe I shouldn't be going down this path because yeah. I did that. Hey guys, exactly last exactly. Hey guys,
0: week. They, they were they were terrible last night. They're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be frustrated. They're angry. They're angry. Stop complaining about guys. the other
1: guys. Then if you're compl- if you're mad about the way you played, yeah. stop I'm, pinning I'm it on I'm the guys. I'm very worried about saying like, man up, <laughs> Connor McDavid, because then Connor McDavid will man yeah. up to the tune of 12 points. Hey man they were on a bat, Saturday. Like they, they got
0: they got whooped. Like I'm not gonna take the logic meter out there and just be like, this doesn't make sense. Like in a court of law, like he's upset. It didn't make sense that he was taking stupid penalties on the ice okay. too. Him and Dreisaitl, right? About that for a and set, that's though. probably one of the reasons why the Canucks kept piling it on because they were taking stupid penalties and they were frankly playing, uh, doing some things that could have caused injuries.
1: I think the last three minutes, or sorry, the last three penalties of that game were Dreisaitl, McDavid, Dreisaitl cross-check, cross-check, cross-check. Like, they, they, so they were running around, and if you're going to do that, and you don't want the other team to retaliate physically, you can't be like, well, also, please don't put out your top power play. You're like, so I, but the, my, the reason I wanted to play this audio isn't necessarily because of what, we sa- what he said. I mean, the Canucks eventually did have, like, Akita Hiroshi out on the oh, power play. Know, yeah. That was hilarious. Is that <laughs> Sam Lafferty out there on the power play? It sure is. <laughs> it sure is. Um, the reason I wanted to play the audio... One is it sets the stage for Saturday so beautifully, but two, Connor McDavid doesn't really ever go there, and by there, I mean being pissed off publicly. He's He's embarrassed. He's very, very measured in everything that he says, and even in those remarks, he was pretty measured. He's like, Mm. I found them to be interesting decisions, right? I thought it was a little interesting. Right, so he was even trying to be tempered in that regard, but. Um you I think that really underscores one how huge last night was, two how shocking last night was, and three the fact that the Canucks played about as complete and dominant a game as you can play and it came out of nowhere. Neither of us expected that last night. <laughs> Especially I, I don't get me wrong, like were we amplifying some of the preseason narratives Yes. Were we maybe going like, well, they thought that they were going to go through a preseason with no drama. And then on the final couple of days, there was drama. Did we amplify that a little bit? Sure. But it was also real. It wasn't something that we drew out of thin air. But under no circumstances whatsoever did I see an 8 1 victory, an 8 goal performance. The offense alone blew me away because if anything, I would have said they can go in and they can play low event hockey against this team and they can choke the life out of it. And. That's how, That's the recipe for success. So if I told you the,
2: they beat the Oilers yesterday,
1: you would have said, okay, you know, Demko 40 saves, he stood right. on his head. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't have said Brock Besser four
0: goals. Well, no. That was like, out of nowhere. They they were winning and score effects did not, were not a factor from the Edmonton Oilers. They were, the Edmonton Oilers were, were absolutely dreadful. And I think it's actually quite easy to um, theorize why. Like, they they were like, Yeah, we're gonna win the cup and you know we're this Canucks team is sure is, is not good and they didn't they didn't they weren't prepared. No respect.
1: They they, respect they honestly they, they, they honestly didn't respect the Canucks last night. They did not respect their opponent. They will now, because they got absolutely destroyed by said opponent. But by the way, can I one more thing on the Oilers? How over Galaxy Brain did Jay Woodcroft Galaxy Brain oh that decision gosh. for the goal? What are you doing? Why? Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? Starting Campbell. Yeah, know. why yeah, would yeah. you start Jack Campbell? Yeah, because he had either like oh, he had a pretty good preseason. I'm like the, the preseason. I'm making yeah, yeah. the money sign with the hand. See, so that's <laughs> that is the answer. The answer is that they've got so much money sunk into Campbell, and I heard some normally good pundits actually throwing this out there. Like, well, they have to give him another chance. He's got this big contract. I'm like, so you're telling me that if a guy underperforms. And doesn't earn the job that he gets another crack at it because you sunk money into him.
0: And like in game one too, how do you think that made Skinner feel? Like, oh, great, he had a good preseason.
1: Uh, I had a good last real season. Calder <laughs> <Yeah>. nominee, <laughs> yeah. And i I now I want Woodcroft to double down on the galaxy branding and being like. We're going to go back to Campbell on Saturday. <laughs> we need to do this. Yeah,
0: Skinner got in there at the end. Yeah,
1: he got some. He got some burns. Um, it does. Nice.
0: It does get tougher now for the Canucks, and I think this is why Rick Tockett, after the game, was more measured in his remarks. Um, I think we can all expect the Oilers to be a little more energetic Saturday in Edmonton. After that, uh, the Canucks' trip continues. It's a five-game road trip. Trip continues through Philly, Tampa, Florida. And Nashville, mm-hmm. so a couple tough opponents in there, but a couple not so tough opponents. And I think it's worth noting that on this five-game Eastern road trip, there's no back-to-backs. They even get a couple of two-day breaks. They get a two-day break between Edmonton and Philly, mm-hmm. and they get a two-day break between uh, Florida and Nashville, which are the last two games. Right. So that'll help. We've seen the Canucks go out on these Eastern road trips before, and I'm sure they've got one later in the season where they'll go and they'll have like three games in four nights, right? And that's really, really difficult. It's going to be a tough trip. They're going to be on the road. Um that Edmonton game to start is probably going to be the toughest one, but Tampa looked pretty good against Nashville the other day. Um Florida went to the Stanley Cup final last year. Yeah. Um so it's there are going to be challenges on this trip, but again, like what I hope the Canucks take from last night. And people will say it's only one game. Don't listen to them. But remember all the negative energy that emanated from the Canucks because of their start last season. Take the positive energy now and chase the feeling that you had after that game. Chase the feeling you had during that game mm-hmm. and remember the things that you did to get there. And I'm sure Rick talking is saying this isn't, this is like, but this is for me like people, people are going to try and downplay, right? It's one game. And I understand it, right? It is only one game. They've got 81 more to go, and they need to keep doing it. And it's easier said than done to keep doing it. But at least now they've got proof of concept that they can beat the wheels off a Stanley Cup contender if they do all the things that they're supposed to do.
1: Coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, we're going to go around the NHL because there was a bunch of huge stories throughout the league last night. We're going to talk to Sean Gentilly, NHL writer for The Athletic. Uh, Connor Bedard scored his first ever NHL goal. Austin Matthews had a hat trick last night. Sens lost in their opener. Flames and Markstrom are back. Might have looked like it last night. They beat the Jets, so we'll go through all the Canadian teams, all the stories across the league. That's coming up next. Hockey is back. You are listening to the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.
0: You're listening to the best of Halford & Brough. You're listening to the best of Halford & Brough.
1: And
2: what we just have to call
0: Thomas Grant's erotica. Thomas Grant's erotica.
1: Of course.
0: Thomas Grant's erotica.
1: Expected goals. Thomas trans, Erotica. Dog model. Thomas Branch Erotica. 801 on a Thursday. You are listening to the and rough Show on Sportsnet 650. Apologies to all affected by our earlier technical difficulties. We were trying to navigate that along with this amazing 8 1 victory for the Vancouver Connects in their season opener. A little bit of a hiccup, a difficult it broke time the for the show. It we broke bro- the station. The 8 1 game broke radio. Actually, mm-hmm. it broke the stream, if we're being specific. I think it broke a couple of apps as well. But what can you say? It doesn't happen all that often. We weren't prepared. The, the system was not prepared. The system was not prepared for an 8-1 victory. <laughs> Too much positivity. Right. Like, oh, ah, yeah, yeah. I'm fueled by negativity. I don't know what to do with all this. <laughs> uh, Thomas Drantz going to join us in a moment here to kick off Hour 3. Now that we're back to normal, uh, Hour 3 of this program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studio,
0: Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Where was the positivity before,
1: guys? Uh, uh, it wasn't warranted. No. But Andre, the insurance wholesaler, I believe that's a first-time texter. I've never seen that handle before. He texts in, I listen to you guys all year long for that one day where Jason Bruff has a glimmer of hope in his voice about the Vancouver Canucks. Mm -hmm. What about a glimmer of hope in the voice of Thomas Drance? I don't know. Let's ask him now. Drancer joins us on the program. What up, Drancer? Yeah. Good morning, boys. Is that a glimmer of hope I
2: hear? I mean, you had to like it. You had to like what you saw. Yeah. How could you not? Uh, uh, Like, what, what, what could you even spin negatively? Uh, the third pair looked a little shaky, right? Like the, the seams, you're going try defensive depth. <laughs> God, well, bless, no, God I mean, bless you, Thomas Trance. But it's a point that illustrates how good the performance was. Right. Mm-hmm. Because what I liked about this was like, there are nights where this team, because of their high end skill, right? Like when you have this much high end skill, when your power plays as good as Vancouver's is, should be, then there's going to be nights where you win like five, two, but don't even play well, right? Mm-hmm. This wasn't one of those nights. You know, this wasn't one of those nights. Like, this was an 8-1 win where, you know, and, and let me give you an example. It's, it's 2 nothing, when the Oilers come out with, like, a clean, fresh sheet of ice, having had 15 minutes to stew in the fact that they got massively outplayed in the first period. And, by the way, like, we see this script a lot, even, even in game one in the NHL. Like, I don't know if you guys watched Ottawa-Carolina. But like Ottawa jumped all over the Carolina Hurricanes in the first game. And that's kind of similar where you've got this, you know, team that's widely viewed as mid, a fringe playoff team. There's hope locally, but realistically, they're, you know, most likely to be the sixth best team in their own division. And Carolina comes out after the first period and just demolishes them, right? They're down. They they end up winning 5-3. Um when, the, when that second period starts and the Oilers historically good power play goes to work, like that's a big test. That's a big test for the Canucks. And it's not just that the Oilers didn't score. It's that they kept trying to find these seam passes through the Canucks PK. And every time it was like pew suitor has a stick on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like JT Miller gets a stick on it. And the passes sometimes still got through, but they didn't get through clean and they didn't get through fast and they weren't great scoring opportunities. And then there's this awesome sequence where a puck rims around and Anthony Beauvillier um, has a chance to get it out and Darnell Nurse comes pinching down the wall. And, like, Beauvillier just cleanly wins the battle. And and, and he doesn't win it so cleanly that he clears the zone. He just cleanly wins the battle so that another Canucks player can get it and they cleanly win a battle. And then the puck's out and, like, a a minute later, Besser sets up Pronick JT Miller gets the rebound. Besser gets the second rebound right at the side of the net. So, you know, this was an eight nothing win that was built off the back, not of power play excellence, or so the Canucks' is gaudy skill, but the mm-hmm. Canucks just won so many fifty fifty battles all night that the Oilers couldn't connect play. Like they they this was a gritty win. And and that's the type of thing we haven't seen from this team that much over the past few years. Like that's the type of thing. That certainly I value that's that's stickier than you know scoring on whatever percentage of shots or whatever we might say was unsustainable, like if you 're consistently killing penalties like that and winning battles like that, like you 've got a shot every night, and the connects played like that last night that 's what I liked most
0: what do you think though all all the one battles came down to like desire- is it just desire or is it? um knowledge of what they're supposed to be doing out there more is it some of the new players that they added is it all of those things like cuz sometimes like we'll, we'll be watching the Canucks and they're like you should do that every night right it's it's in, i know it's impossible to bring that type of effort like every night yeah. but that's going to be the challenge now, right? In in some well, ways, they've screwed yeah. themselves, right? Because they've showed us that, that they can do it, right? <laughs> so, so they, they got to keep doing it. It's like it's like doing a really good job early on is actually a big mistake because then people expect it.
2: Well, you know, I, I feel I hear you, right? And there's there's the, the like workable eighty percent you need to find to sustainably win in the regular season. But let's be honest too, you know. One thing that's worried me about the Canucks is it's not just the slow starts and that the first month of the season has gone badly three consecutive years. It's also been slow starts in game. Like think about all the times you can put it in whether it's Travis Green or Bruce Boudreau or Rick Tocchet's voice, the like complaining about a slow start. You know, after in a post game press conference, right? You've heard it a million times. And the thing about slow starts in the NHL is that that's kind of when the chips are down. Like one worry that I've had about this team, um, you know, big picture is that for me, slow starts aren't just like a symptom of an unfocused group or whatever. It's, it's a suggestion that your team might not just might just not have it because when the chips are down, they seem to be struggling consistently. Um, the chips are down for this team in the first month of the season. Like we, we've heard the talk multiple years in a row, the importance of a slow start like, one dynamic that does exist when the Edmonton Oilers, who are going to be judged on what happens in April and May, uh, come to town to open the season against the Vancouver Canucks team that's going to be judged on what happens in October. Um, like, I, I do think you saw a pretty big gap in preparation and, and in fire last night. And that's not a good look on, on the Edmonton Oilers. And, and, and also, it takes nothing away from the Canucks. Like, this nope. is what we wanted to see. Like, we wanted to see this team come out And, like, this team has a lot to prove. They have a lot to prove early in the season. And that's been true multiple years, the past few. And they haven't done it. Like, they haven't backed up the talk, come out and performed. uh, Like, it really, really mattered. And they did last night. And, hey, great. Like, great. You know, for me, this wasn't a game where the Oilers played well. Right? There are wins where both teams are throwing fastballs. Right? This was not that, like, game. The Oilers were awful. They were really, really bad, um, which, again, takes nothing away from the fact that this team, I think, needed to show us something. And I would add this. It's one win. They all count the same, right? This win, win in game one counts the same as winning game 57. But you know what? Sometimes an early season result does matter a little more. Like there were at cost tickets available the day of the game for the home opener in Vancouver against Connor McDavid, they like, it matters that this team showed us, you know, just that hint of dog. And they did show us that last night. Like it matters. And, you know, I, I certainly think having a little bit of hope, a little bit of swagger coming out of it, I, I don't want to overfit it. You don't want to be like, well, this team's, you know, it's not, they're not going to trounce the absolute best teams in the NHL on an every night basis. That's not, it's not going to be easy, but man, they, they showed us something without question. And they've now given them, you know, I think they've at least like, at least they have to have piqued your curiosity for, for what they can maintain as they head out on this five game road trip.
0: What did you see from Philip Horonic And do you think uh, the Canucks will keep that pair together? Hughes and Horonic until, I don't know. They need to make a change.
2: Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see them skate together in game two. Um, they hard matched McDavid with the Miller line and with the Heronic, um Hughes pair. Those five spent a lot of time together. They did a, an, an, an immense job against McDavid. I thought, I thought Horonic was really good defensively. Like I thought it was a quietly good game for him. Um, I thought the play he made to snuff that McDavid rush when he was lying down. Oh, I mean, was it's so a good, def- it's a good defensive stop anyway. But I was watching it, and those forwards had been out because McDavid just kept coming, right? Like McDavid yeah. and Drysaddle just wouldn't change. They just kept coming, and by the end of the shift. Uh, you know, JT Miller had been out for 105 seconds or whatever, and there's that final McDavid rush, and he he has no legs, like he has no legs. And I actually was watching it, thinking, man, I hope no one clips this back check because this is not on him. Like this is this is this is a guy whose legs are bricks, who's got that like you know cloud of uh, or that fog of war in his brain, right? Like <laughs> this is. Superhuman stuff from McDavid and Dreisaitl. They've done an amazing job on this shift. This is not bad defense. This is a completely gassed player, and and despite that, Hronik has the presence of mind to make a defensive play like that. Like it was a four-goal game, but that's as big a play, as big a defensive play in a four-goal game as you'll find. Um, a real, a real, like a real testament to his fitness level uh, and to his brain for the game. So, look, I thought he did a lot of little things well. I don't think it was an overwhelming game for him, but I thought it was a fantastic game for that five-man group against McDavid.
1: Uh, I know you're referring to it as the Miller line, and I get why. I understand. But I want to put in a petition to rename it the Besser line
2: after what happened <laughs> last night. Yeah, well, I think he just scored his uh, fifth of the night like as we were speaking.
1: Yeah, like that's that's a vibe check in the positive. Because not only is it you need this guy to produce, but of all the guys, like given the personal setbacks and the injury setbacks, I mean, I was openly rooting for him, which I don't often do on the air, but I would love to see the guy succeed because I think he's a genuinely good guy. That
0: was awesome when his hat Goal goal winning off his skate he's yep. like it is my night tonight and
2: he had the hugest <laughs> grin on his face he's like yeah things are going brock's way tonight well power play one too right you, you know you see petterson immediately point at besser and they're just howling with laughter you know what i mean yeah, like literally yeah. all of pp1 was just like you know they were all like the the uh, laughing face emoji after that goal winning Um, you know, it was just one of those goals, right? Like, and look, I mean, <laughs> you guys know what I think of Brock Besser. I think a lot of this market knows what I think of Brock Besser. Like, I think Besser's a good player. Um, I thought there was a lot to like in his game outside of the puck following him around. Uh, the first goal, obviously, was was a throwback for him, right? Just beats a goalie clean yep. from distance, uh, is perfectly in a soft spot of coverage. I thought he looked, great in the bumper right like he was always open he was always in space he actually could have had a couple more based on some of the looks he was getting i think that bodes well yeah he's not going to score four every night he's not going to back like like uh what what they'd call in soccer a, a quality finish yep. um you know like that uh every night but but even that second goal, right where he sort of taps it in, finds it at the net, uh, the side of the net, like that's a chance he creates. Like he's the guy on the rush who stops up, beats a defender, and then finds Horonic. Like that whole sequence becomes really lethal because of a better play. Uh, yeah, I mean he was he was great, and look, he's good. I, I mean, is he going to get forty now because he scored four on the first night? No, but. Uh, Or maybe not. Uh, Probably not. But, I mean, man, if he's a fixture on PP1 and getting chances like that, like those goals are going to come. But more than that, you know, Miller after the game was talking about Besser's complete game, his two-way game, the improvements he's seen from Besser in that area. Uh, I agree, uh, despite the fact that his defensive game really fell off a cliff last year. Uh, that's not typically been him. Like, this is a pretty reliable two-way winger. He's a guy with some size. He's a guy who's pretty good off the wall. He's a guy whose passing has improved, uh, and he had a night yesterday.
0: Um, do the Canucks have a legit three C and suitor?
2: Yeah, I'm, I mean, this is this is my type of guy. Like, this is there's a reason that I was talking about him for months leading into July 1st, um, and you know, for anyone who says that I'm negative about this team. Like, just go read my coverage after they signed Pew Suter. This, this, is, this guy is impossible not to not to like, not to root for. Just high motor, smart, devious, right? Like, he's just one of those guys. He's just one of those guys who's always in the right spot. And if you ever notice him on the ice, you notice him because he's done something productive. It's just uh, an accumulation of helpful touches. He is really good. He was really good last night. I thought he was – I thought, like, him, Di Giuseppe. Um, Beauvillier, like the Canucks just got a lot of those like sort of quiet workman, like, you know, performances from a lot of guys in the middle of the lineup. And that's something we just haven't seen this team have. Like we haven't seen how many nights have we come away from watching the Canucks over the past few years and been like, yeah, you know, the stars scored, but it was, man, like you really can't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you really can't underestimate the the, the workman like performance that they got in the middle of their, their lineup like that's what happened last night and Suter for me was sort of uh, the best of that group.
0: Okay, so let's look ahead to the weekend. What are the, some of the, the injury issues and the cap issues that the Canucks are facing? Um, both teams played with only seventeen oh, man. skaters last night. It was a it was a bit unusual, um, but this happens around the league. It seems first day, first game of the season. Um, yeah, he, he, so. He, he,
2: so it does. Okay, it does. I'm not excusing but, it. I know, like, I, no, but, and no. I it, it, it's what, like, who did it happen to? Right? It happened to Ottawa, who go big and long with all their second contract guys. Right? It happened to LA and Edmonton. Um, LA and Edmonton, I think, are teams with far, far higher aspirations than be competitive and maybe make the playoffs. The Canucks, it happened to, though they were the fourth team. They have a superstar who's bridged, and they executed the largest buyout, um, total value buyout in NHL history this summer. That, that's a little harder to swallow for them than it is for the other four, uh, three teams. It should be, in my opinion, anyway. So, is
0: it going to be a problem going forward? Because they, you know, it didn't cost them last night. Um, no, it didn't. So, what, what, what are some of the injury updates? Like, are we going to be looking at a fuller lineup on Saturday against the Oilers?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, we will because. After you play a full game short, you get what's called an emergency conditions cap exemption where you can insert a guy who makes under 875 K into your lineup uh, cap neutral effectively to make sure that you have the the full gamut. So you only have to play one game shorthanded to trigger um, an emergency exceptions cap exemption, which the Canucks will be able to take advantage of. On Monday night, regardless of whether or not Blueger or Brisbois or Susie are able to return, so they won't have to play shorthanded again um, on Saturday. That that much that much we can be pretty confident about. They'll they'll be able to call someone up. Um, beyond that, you know the injury status, the sh- the fact that they have this massive sort of short term injuries and, and maybe some guys with flu. Um, you know where that's going to be interesting from a cap perspective. it's almost more of a logistical challenge than anything else because, you know, it's one thing to get a guy to Edmonton if you've got an injury in Morning Skate, for example, over the weekend. But once you're in Florida and Tennessee, like if you have an injury in Morning Skate in Florida, you literally cannot get a guy from Abbotsford to Florida in time, right? right? Like that's – there's just no way. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise in Tennessee. It's just the, those places are too remote, too hard to get to logistically for the Canucks. So so to me, that's sort of the bigger thing to watch here is um, do they get enough bodies back quickly enough that they're able to travel with surplus bodies on the road? Because if not, then you're really at the mercy Uh, of sort of the whims of the hockey gods uh, for that three games against Tampa, the Panthers and and Nashville, where, you know, you, you may not have to play shorthanded because of, you know, emergency conditions or whatever, whatever other CBA ephemera the Canucks are able to take advantage of in managing the day to day. But, but one thing goes wrong and, and there you are again. So that, that would be, that would be the thing to watch for in my view anyway, would be, uh, Canucks will get a full lineup back in Edmonton, regardless of who returns, but man, they really need a couple guys to return here because once they're far flung, uh, the logistical challenge of making sure you have a full lineup and, and are sort of luck proof to be able to ice 18 guys, um, you know, which yeah, they, they, they didn't even end up playing shorthanded last night. Right. Cause the Oilers were also short a man, yeah. but uh, you know, at, at some point, at some point that's going to bite you uh, if it continues.
1: We're speaking to Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks talk here on the Halford and Bruff Show on SportsNet 650. Uh, Drancer, as we look ahead to Saturday's game, uh, how much does the preview change in light of what Connor McDavid said post game yesterday about what the Canucks did, or as he said, pulled in the third period?
2: Yeah, and, and so I, I, I meant to check this last night before I went to bed, but do you, the seventh goal was that after that was the Dreisidel uh hit on Patterson, right? Cross check, yep. So, I mean, I'd put my PP one out after that play too, right? Pedersen had sort of gotten a ch- taken a cheap hit from Nurse or Drysital. Drysital, uh, um, two of yeah. his two yeah. of his lap. No, no, but um, oh sorry, yeah, it was Nurse and Drysital. Dreisidel got the penalty. Yeah, a- Evander Kane had chased one two shifts earlier for Pedersen at about mm-hmm. the midway point, and then of the third period, and then he has a, a sort of quiet twenty second shift, and then Drysital does that to him um, at, when that penalty happens. I mean you know, at some point, like, it's like, what, we're we're either going to jump your star player or we're going to let JT Miller tee off on, on Stuart Skinner here, you know? Yeah, McDavid um,
0: cross-checked Heronic, like, two minutes later. Yeah. And then right. Dreisaitl slashed Ian Cole. Like, it was, yeah, you know, no, I, they, I mean, why they are you so pissy? Oh,
2: it's because you're losing 8-1. I understand. <laughs> yeah. They they were they were gooning it up a bit. Yeah. And, and you know what? They, it, it was like they were gooning it up and didn't even have the energy to do that consistently. You know, like, it was like it was even a bad attempt from the Oilers or a bad performance from the Oilers in terms of the extracurriculars. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, that was the last time we saw PP one. It was after, it was after multiple one players in their top six had taken gratuitous runs in a decided game at, at at the Canucks best player. I have no problem with them putting PP one out. You know, McDavid also, didn't like the Demco thing, but he didn't know the context of yeah, Demko vomiting that. in his mask. So I think we'll, and, and I'd add this, like, you know, he was asked it directly and he said effectively like, yeah, we don't like that. I, I, I don't, I think anyone saying he was like crying about it is sort of overplaying it. But yeah, I mean, look, all that was left to do for the best hockey playing human on the planet after a night in which his team had completely laid an egg and was dominated in a game which they certainly worked in as if they thought it would be easy and weren't prepared for, uh, was to gin up whatever weak grist for the motivational mill he could find uh, ahead of of a game on Saturday. Like, that's how how dispiriting a night it was for the Oilers. Uh, They'll be better. They'll be better on Saturday. And everyone in the Canucks locker room who talked about the result knows it, right? Like, very clearly, they know it. Uh, It's not going to be like this every night. (laughs) We, We know that. They know that. And the Oilers for sure know that, so we'll we'll see what response they uh, we'll see what response they offer. Hopefully, it's better than whatever you know, um, whatever that was. Whatever I, that I kinda,
1: was. I kind of love that this happened. I'm not gonna lie. Like uh, we didn't have a lot of time to parse through the the actual audio and then what it means like it happened like eight hours ago but i i'm i'm re- i love that this happened it just adds so much more of a dimension uh to saturday's game and we get to sit on it for a couple days and yeah. just sit there and think and, about and it. in
0: the canucks 181 yeah like i love all That's of another this. thing i liked about last there's night. there's my analysis
2: i love everything <laughs> that happened last night
0: yeah it, it won't be like that every night but your answer it was fun uh, it what was about fun the uh, what night. about
2: the fight did you see the fight video In the stands, stands, I was disappointed
0: in that. I thought that was the most disappointing part. There was no uh, give me give me some action here. There was just there was a bunch of pushing and shoving. It was a scrum. It was a scrum.
2: Well, there was there was um, it was like you had an almost perfect view from the press box, and there was a guy tangentially related to the to the fight that you can see in the video, and he's wearing one of those Canucks alternates, like the fade. West Coast Express era oh, Jerseys <laughs> yeah. and it's a Bertuzzi 44. Oh awesome. And uh, and we were watching it in real time like a bunch of the media members and I was like, "Oh, watch out for the guy in the Bertuzzi third, third <laughs> alternate." Like you know that's the most dangerous guy in uh, a fight.
0: That Oilers fan was a big boy. Back.
2: Yeah, yeah and, that, and that was a that was a good prediction by me. So <laughs> happy about that.
0: <laughs> All right, see you buddy.
2: Thanks for answering. Cheers, boys. Bye.
1: Uh, Thomas Drantz from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650.
0: There will never be a greater um, potential f- fighter at than the Calgary Stampeders fan in the cowboy hat uh, in the 80s at BC Place. Yep. Like, if the Calgary Stampeders fan with a cowboy hat walked in, like, cowboy boots, everything... You know, like you could hear him walking because of the mm-hmm. cowboy boots, and you're like, that guy's going to get in a fight because someone's going to play with his hat. Yep. Uh, he's- <laughs> that's always the way it does. Someone tries to knock his hat off.
1: Yep. He, you know, knock kn- your hat off. He knows. He's like, I'm going in costume tonight. <laughs> no, it's not even costume. No, but that's, like- Yeah, but he's like, someone's going to knock his hat off, and then it's go time. So
0: everyone's like, hey, cowboy. Yep. That's, I am a cowboy, you know. That's the like, costume. Well, you don't have to dress like that. Uh, you're listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Get your What We Learn's in on the other side. Uh, I have a What We Learned for Laddie, and I don't know if it's going to make him too happy. We'll we'll have to wait and uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.